Hello, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Rebecca Mashaw, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. With us today is Dr. Seth Gross, Clinical Chief of the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at NYU Langone Health. He'll be talking to us about the challenges of reopening endoscopy practice some steps to take in preparation to protect patients and staff, and where to look for guidelines that can help you make a safe and smooth transition to restarting endoscopy in the age of COVID-19. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Gross. Would you start off by explaining some of the dangers involved in performing endoscopy when there is a widespread respiratory virus, and particularly when patients can present as asymptomatic? The good news that we're seeing across the country is a flattening and a decreased number of uh, new cases and decreased number of hospitalizations. I work in an area that is high prevalence in New York City. And so what I'm experiencing, I think, is probably different than what other areas of the country uh, happen to be seeing in relation to this virus. Uh, however, it's, it's really important that when we have a virus that spreads so easily, that we do have to take the, the proper precautions. And, and we've been doing that for the last couple of months now, where we've cut back and postponed elective procedures and really focusing on patients that needed uh, urgent and emergent endoscopy procedures. The phase we're moving into now is how do we start uh, doing procedures that have been postponed and then ultimately going back to usual operations in endoscopy, uh, which uh, the majority of our patients are getting screening procedures uh, like a screening colonoscopy to look for polyps and of course look for colon cancer. The first step is to look at where you are in the country and pay attention to the state and uh, federal guidelines specifically from the CDC. Uh, in addition, uh, the gastrointestinal societies have really done a, a nice job in terms of trying to give us guidance of how to safely open up endoscopy. So what we're doing, and this is a simple approach, is one, we're starting to move towards doing these uh, semi-elective cases. So we're past the urgent and emergent, and we're doing cases that we had postponed, say, for, for diagnostic and therapeutic purposes, you know, someone with uh, uh, gastrointestinal symptoms. Uh, what we're trying to do to ensure safety of our patients, and I'm going to break this down a little bit differently a little later where we deal with the prevalence depending on where you are in the country, is we're testing all our healthcare professionals that work in the endoscopy area, so the physicians, the nurses, and the, and the technicians. We also have the ability to test our patients prior to procedure, and I know that is not readily available everywhere. And if someone does uh, test COVID negative, they'll be done at an ambulatory facility. If someone should test COVID positive, even without symptoms, this is where you have to think about uh, just postponing the procedure and retesting that patient, or if that patient really needs to have the procedure done, you know, transitioning them to the uh, hospital. We also wanted to ask you about the specific steps gastroenterologists need to take and the planning they need to do before they reopen for endoscopy and especially how PPE and its adequate supplies might affect that planning. You mentioned some guidelines that you say are very helpful in going through the process of making these decisions. Could you tell us a bit more about that? The American College of Gastroenterology has done a really nice job in terms of giving us a decision tree for patients that are 
undergoing endoscopy. And the decision tree is around personal protective equipment. And this has really been a hot button topic uh, within endoscopy because, of course, we want to keep the patient safe, but we also want to ensure that our staff, the nurses, the technicians, and the physicians are well protected. And so the way it's been broken down is low prevalence area versus high prevalence area. So if you have a low prevalence area and you have testing available and it's negative, and you do a symptom screen before the procedure, looking for things uh, that are common with the virus, such as cough and fever. And now we know about gastrointestinal symptoms like diarrhea, loss of taste, and uh, loss of smell. You could consider standard precautions, which is surgical mask, face shields, gloves, and gowns. And this is just universal precautions that we've really been doing all along. Now, if you have a low prevalence area, but you don't have testing available and there's a negative symptom screen, then you may consider uh, using a different type of mask, these N95 masks, and then, of course, face shields or goggles, uh, and then allowing time uh, for you and your team to properly put on the personal protective equipment and take it off. Now, when you move to the high prevalence areas, the test is negative and the symptom screen is negative. So a high prevalence would be where I am in, uh, in New York. You would use an N95 mask if uh, available, and that's the key. It's really based on availability. And of course, the face shields or the goggles and proper time to uh, don and doff uh, equipment. And then if you're in a higher low prevalence area and the test is positive or the patient has a positive symptom screen, if this is something that could get postponed, it's very reasonable to just postpone it a couple of weeks and reassess the patient. If this was something that was very time sensitive, uh, this would be a procedure that you would then move away from an offsite ambulatory location and move that patient uh, back to the hospital. The, the need of different types of personal protective equipment is a, a variable because there are some parts of the country that have minimal cases of this virus. If you work for a hospital system, they have good leadership teams to, to help sort of look at all this and give recommendations. But I think the other thing that's starting to improve is uh, getting access to PPE. And I think it becoming a little bit more readily available, it's going to allow gastroenterologists uh, to start to go back to endoscopy. But I think that depending on the, whether you're hospital-based or within a hospital system versus an independent ASC, I think it's important to to get a sense of, you know, what you would need uh, to start ramping back up and doing procedures. You know, do you need an N95 or one of its equivalents? Or you're in a very low prevalence area and the patient uh, tests negative, or you don't have the testing available, but they don't have symptoms. You know, you could safely get by with a surgical mask. Of course, you want uh, face shields and we all wear gloves and then shoe covers and a, a hairnet is uh, something that's thought to be optional. What about follow-up visits? We've talked about the things that you need to do to reopen safely, the things that you need to plan for and consider, and of course the steps that you take during endoscopy. But are there things that gastroenterologists need to do to prepare for seeing patients after they perform this procedure? So that's a real good question, and I think it depends on the physician and the practice. Many times the results are just given over the phone because the endoscopist has already talked to the patient afterwards, given an initial impression, and it may just be a follow-up phone call. Uh, we still have the availability of telehealth and virtual visits. Uh, so if you needed to have a follow-up visit and the office side of your practice is uh, not fully up and running, you could do a virtual visit to go over results. And also you could uh, see how the patient's doing 
because uh, you may catch some patients that subsequently develop symptoms of the virus. And that's really important because then you could identify those individuals and recommend quarantine and also sort of trace back to see if any uh, body at your facility have been exposed and you could uh, recommend testing for those individuals. And then, of course, if you need face-to-face -face office visits. I think uh, what's happening now is as the endoscopy volume uh, increases on the office side, there is still a strong amount of, uh, of telehealth still, still being done. And I think as we learn more about which uh, direction we're going in terms of the new cases of this virus, or if we're just continuing on the downward trend, we'll know more, you know, as the country starts to open up uh, in your specific area, what you mean to do or, or not to going forward. What has your experience been in working with your patients via telehealth? And how have they responded? Have they been positive, negative, or neutral about it? Uh, in terms of the, the telehealth interaction, I think it's actually been quite positive because it still allows patients that are having gastrointestinal issues to, to be in touch with their physician to discuss them. We could uh, do very minimal physical exam with the help of the, of the patient, but at least we're able to continue their care. And, that, and that's valuable because the last thing we'd want is, is for our patients to uh, push off their symptoms and ignore something that is preventable uh, if picked up uh, early. So, so I think overall, uh, for, for both the providers uh, and the, the patients, it's been a positive experience. Are there specific milestones you want to see before restarting endoscopy, such as a drop-off in diagnosed cases or reductions in hospitalizations, relaxation of government restrictions? What are you looking for as your cues? We're really uh, waiting on the state government to give us guidance. Uh, what we're doing is we're just coming up with the uh, uh, infrastructure and planning to, you know, to make the adjustments to uh, you know, accommodate social distancing, making sure that our staff have the uh, appropriate uh, personal protective equipment, which, which we have. So I think it's going to be a state-by-state -state following for, for physicians. We know that you can't get it to zero, but to try to be in as much of a COVID-free zone as possible, uh, making sure that they have the right uh, personal protective equipment uh, for for them and their staff, but in terms of you know what we're going to use to to dictate when we're going to start to resume the the different phases of uh, endoscopy practice, moving from uh, urgent and emergent to uh, semi-elective and then elective procedures, I think it's going to be a state by state recommendation uh, to physicians. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate your insights into this issue. Thank you uh, very much for having me.